Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. So I'm excited to see you, everyone, and um, today we're going to continue on this little series. We're doing Why I Believe, and just um, this week... uh, A really good friend of mine, my closest friend, uh, one of my closest friends, I should say, over many years, probably over 20 years now, this is Stu, Stu Miller. He's a full-time evangelist. He travels around the world. He travels into churches and trains people. He's been doing this full-time, training people how to preach the gospel for over 20 years now. And uh, just an amazing man of faith, an amazing family of faith. And this is his son, Matthew. He's 15 years old. Only just uh, in the last two, three months Uh, Matthew, who's 15, uh, was diagnosed with an aggressive brain cancer. And I've been praying for him and um, the family uh, as they've been walking through some incredible suffering, as you could imagine. Uh, He's just finished 30 rounds of radiation to the brain. How many people know that's not good? Um, and but just trying everything they can and going through some intensive treatments. And this week they hopped on a plane and they're flying to Mexico to begin their um, rounds of treatment uh, at Oasis of Hope Hospital in Mexico. And I remember this beautiful family uh, when the announcement first came. I got a call. Um, Matthew's been diagnosed with this uh, cancer. I was uh, straight in my car, straight over there. I was in their lounge room and I was with this family who were grieving and hurting and suffering uh, through some things that no people, you just think, why do people have to go through this? Um, Who wants to hear a message about suffering today? Anybody? (laughs) We didn't come to church for that, right? You're like, I didn't come here to hear about suffering. As a Christian, I wonder if this is the most asked question that I get asked or have been asked over the many years in ministry and as a Christian, um, get asked that question, why does God allow suffering? Or why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much evil in the world? And um, this question deserves a good answer, I think, as I'm sure you've probably all asked this question too. And I look at my my friend Stu and have walked through uh, this message with him. And I can relate to my friend whose son is dying of brain cancer right now. And I've walked that path too. Uh, most of you know my, my journey over five years was watching my late wife, Jenny. She suffered for five years and I walked through that. as She died of brain cancer too, passing away a few years ago now and I'm grateful I've got a second chapter in life with my new wife, Mia. Um, but that was a time of grieving and pain and suffering and walking through that for, for five years, watching someone die and, and go through that. You think, well, why do we... Good. She was such a great person. Why does bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much evil and suffering in the world today that now they, my kids, they grow up without a mum? You know, that's, there's so much suffering in our world. Why does this happen to us, especially those who are God-seeking followers of God? Um, and I asked that question myself, and I had to come to my own conclusion about where I stand on this question. And um, to be honest, I think we all face suffering of different kinds and it's relative to each person, right? It's not always cancer, it's not always disease. It may be some other things that you've had to face a trial before um, and maybe even recently, maybe even right now, this will be a very relevant message to you because you're in the midst of a trial or a pain or a suffering that you're like, how do I get through this? Um, Has anybody been through a suffering before? Can I ask or raise their hands? Ah. If you haven't raised your hand, then I'm sure it's coming, okay? <laughs> it's coming, because we all go through suffering at some level. 
Some of you are seated right next to your suffering right now. Yeah, give them a nudge, but don't raise your hand because that'll make the suffering worse, right? We don't want that. Now, I know that um, you have probably at different times and it can look so different for each one of us. Like it may be a hurt, it may, have, it may be um, a traumatised life, it may be a devastated dream, it may be a broken heart, it may be a broken relationship or a broken marriage. Um, and if you, you haven't been through it yet, that's, as I said, it's coming. And here's where I want to land on this message today before I flesh it out for you. And it's this. I've personally learned that there is a road that we all walk that has a price to be paid to gain the character of God. You know, this topic of suffering is avoided by a lot of churches because it's a hard message and we we want a feel-good message when we come to church, right? We want the, the happy messages and the high fives and spine tingles as we leave the church and, you know, God is great, God is good and God bless you, off you go. But the Bible speaks so clearly about this topic of suffering. It's not a taboo topic to God. There's there's a lot of verses, a lot of people who suffered, a lot of examples that we could look at today and why God allows suffering. You notice I didn't say that God causes suffering. That's not God's will or plan to cause suffering, but God has allowed suffering as a result of different things we're going to talk about today. The Bible says in Romans 5, 3 and 4, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Say that with me. Rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. I didn't hear any amens. (laughs) Uh, Amen, all right. But as a pastor here, I need to show you that this is actually part of the Christian life. Suffering is part of our life that we embrace, even though we don't like to. But what I see here is the attitude of which that we have around this topic of suffering, the attitude that we approach suffering, the attitude as we go through suffering, the attitude we have as we come out of suffering in those seasons of our life is really important. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Do you see that? God is trying to develop something deep behind the scenes. He's trying to do something deep inside of you and he's doing it while you're suffering. He's saying to you, if you've got to go through this, if you're going to go through it, let's make the most of it. Let's do something with your heart and, and let God form you and let God forge you and let him make you to be more like Jesus, our Saviour. He's saying, let me be glorified in and through your life. And even when you are weak, he's saying, I will be strong. As you go through that suffering, he says, my grace will be sufficient for you because I am all you need in those times. And it makes us lean into him. He's saying, don't let this suffering make you bitter. Let it make you better. We're going to make you better as you go through this and do it with me. And what is this joy he's talking about that Paul is putting out or Peter is putting out here? The the great heroes of our faith, they speak like this. You think, I just want to be like that. How do they have this attitude of joy, this attitude of rejoicing? Well, when you suffer... If you could lean into God more, more than you ever have before, 
You'll see that God is with you and he's walking through it with you and he's meeting you in the middle of that storm. And some very personal encounters with God are going to happen for you. You're going to sense his presence in a very intimate way. And you're going to find God in a deeper way when you go through suffering, if you choose to. And I've really learned this, that the best things, the best lessons, the deepest growth in my life, the deepest spiritual growth in my life has come in the darkest periods of my life, in those dark nights of the soul. And I can honestly say, and and I would not be the person that I am today. I would not have the family that I have today. I would not have the faith that I have today if I hadn't walked through suffering and done what I'm talking about, leaning into God the way I'm talking about today. And I can honestly say now that this attitude that I have around suffering, I don't like suffering, but I approach suffering with this attitude that I rejoice in my sufferings because I see what God has done in me and where I am today as a result. I had grown so much in my relationship with God through suffering. And he has changed me through that. You see, walking through suffering develops us. Paul, he writes those words. Just remember we said before, It says we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Now let me give you a few other reasons why I believe suffering exists in the world today, not just to develop us. We're going to come back to that at the end. Where did suffering come from? And why did God allow this? Why does he want us to deal with this? I mean, if he's so loving, why couldn't he just protect us from this? If he is actually God, why could he not have stopped that suffering? Good questions, hey? Thankfully, the Bible doesn't kind of leave us without good answers to this as well. And I'll explain a few reasons. The first one I want to share with you is that God allows suffering as a consequence of our free will. Now, I think that we can all agree that we are not in heaven yet. Amen? This is not heaven, this world. You know, in heaven, everything's perfect. The Bible says there is no suffering. That's something we can look forward to, church. There is no pain, disease, suffering, evil, nothing. It's all perfect because God is holy and perfect. And God can't be in any place where it's not perfect because that's his nature and his character. And God created heaven to be like that. And one day we'll be there. And we can all agree that our world is far from perfect. Can I hear an amen? I mean... It was created perfect. God created it. That's why when we look around our world, we can say, oh, I can see God. We look up at the galaxy, we can say, oh, I see God. When I look around at the beauty of creation, I can say, oh, I see the handiwork of God. I can see the beauty of God in different ways and at different times. But I also know we're in a very broken world. I don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. I mean, we live in a beautiful world and I can see God all around me. But the impact of our choices, of our sins, since Adam and Eve, since the beginning of creation, has led to a broken and evil and ungodly, a sinful world where all of God's laws are constantly being broken and they have consequences for them. There are consequences for sin, church. Since the first fallen angel and then the first temptation of Adam and Eve and then the first sin that entered into the world where they disobeyed God and then the curse of sin from that day, that curse of sin and death has been inherited by us all where the Bible says we're all sinners and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us are in that boat. 
We have that curse of sin that was inherited by all of us and has come down through the generations. I'm sure you agree, we feel it. We see it, we grieve, we hurt, we hurt other people, we get sick, we get diseases, and we die. God didn't create it that way in the beginning. But our world is no longer perfect. And in light of that, church, we don't need to also go around thinking and reading in some deep meaning into every single little suffering, saying to ourselves, oh, I have a headache today. I wonder what the eternal scheme is of the relationship to this pain and... All right. It's just the fact that we live in a fallen world. And pain and suffering is part or consequence of a fall living in a fall. It's not perfect. I mean, if we step on a rake and it hits us on the side of the head, we're going to get a headache. We don't need to kind of wonder what God is trying to teach me in that, except don't stand on a rake next time. Remember, there's going to be consequences. When you do something without wisdom, it's going to hit you and give you a headache. There's going to be some suffering. God allows suffering as a consequence of the sin in the fallen world that we now live in. And it affects all of us, Christians, non-Christians, the righteous, the unrighteous. They live with suffering as a consequence of living in a fallen world. Can you see that? But remember, let me give you some hope. Heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. We spoke with, prayed over Ray up here in his wheelchair the other day. and You know, heaven is coming for Ray. No more pain, no more suffering, no more disease. It's not far away for him. It's not far away. It'll be eternal glory. No more. Isn't that amazing? You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5.10, and this is a verse I remember my late wife Jenny hanging on to this verse in her suffering. Read this with that in mind. And with Ray in mind up the front here. And with my, my friend Stu and his son Matthew in mind as they're over in Mexico right now having treatment for brain cancer. And you're suffering right now and whatever you're dealing with in, in your life. Read this verse. It says, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, confirm, strengthen and establish you. Isn't that beautiful? That's hope, church. You can't get away from suffering. It's going to happen. It depends how you respond to it. It depends on the attitude you approach it with. And this here gives us hope. Secondly, God allows suffering to bring us back on track. Let me hear an amen. In in Psalm 119.67, the psalmist writes this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. <laughs> when everything seems to be fine in our lives and everything seems to be going ahead, you know, life's rosy, the path is straight, everything's a breeze, there's no need for God. We kind of sometimes get tempted to just go on our own life. We don't lean into God. We don't have to have faith. We don't walk by faith and our relationship with God erodes and we just start walking our own life where Jesus is not at the centre of our life. Can you relate to that? I know that happens. And when I go off God's path in those moments, the pain and the suffering that will inevitably come into my life as a result of my sin and taking my eyes off God and living my own ways instead of his will in my life, 
That sin is part of being in a fallen world, as I've said. But sometimes as a result of going about a life without God at the center, somehow in God's wisdom, he used to be used by God to not only get our attention again, but through the affliction that we face, God is going to use that of pain and that suffering to draw me back to him, back to obedience, back to a straight path. And he meets me in that pain and he takes me back into his loving arms. You know, sometimes I've met people who have hit rock bottom and they say, I'm at the bottom of the pit. It doesn't go any further. I can't dig any deeper. I've done everything. I'm, at the, I'm just in, Bible calls it the miry clay. I'm just stuck in this pit and I've just got to reach out. And God reaches down at those moments of affliction and, says, and he pulls you up out of the pit and places your feet back on solid ground again, on solid rock and out of miry clay. Remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. He went away from his father. He inherited this amazing inheritance from his father. He says he goes away and he lives his own way and he squanders the whole lot. And it's gone and he's living his own life and he's living in sin. He's living it up. And it feels good. It feels great to be in sin sometimes, doesn't it? It doesn't always feel bad. It doesn't mean it's God's way. It's not God's wisdom. It's not the best way. But it's... It's a way, and people walked that. And this, this man, he left it, and he squandered everything. And you know where it led him? It led him to feeding pigs for a living in the mud. And one day he came to his senses. He came to his senses. He said, I have to get back on track. I've got to get out of this affliction and get back on track. And he made his way back home to his father. And his father was standing there with open arms, loving arms, waiting for his son and so joyful. And God allowed that, his son, or this, this father allowed his son to go through that suffering, through that affliction, but was always there waiting to come back and to embrace his son and bring him back into the family. And that's exactly what God has done with us, spiritually speaking. We all go on our own journeys. We all walk away from God. But he allows us to go through suffering and affliction for us to hit rock bottom and get to the bottom and reach up and say, okay, God, I surrender. And he reaches down and God's arm is not short. He will reach down and take your hand and he'll pull you out and stand you on solid ground. The Bible calls Jesus a solid rock. The Bible says he's a firm foundation to build your life upon. So when you come out of that miry clay, you're saying, I'm going to establish you again. I'm going to establish your life on a firm foundation. We're going to move forward. And God allows suffering for this to happen. I don't know about you if you've experienced that before, but I've experienced that. I know what that feels like. The third reason that I believe God allows suffering is for his glory. God allows suffering for his glory. Um, perhaps there's no biblical figure better than there's a few, but one that comes to my mind is Joseph. From the moment that we meet Joseph as a 17-year-old boy to his rise to power in Egypt as a 30-year-old, we see him endure the jealousy and betrayals and enslavement, and we see him endure false accusations and imprisonment. I mean, he went through a lot of suffering, more suffering than most of us probably will go through. And yet, as he approached his end of his life, he declared to his brothers, the very brothers who sold him into slavery, he declared these words in Genesis 50, 20. It says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Joseph learned to see God's providence even in the face of suffering 
through all the injustice and all the years of imprisonment that he had been made aware that one day God will be glorified through his life. I think Joseph would relate to the words of Paul. And Paul said these words in Romans 8. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And Paul would say that sincerely because Paul went through more suffering than any of us will ever face in our lifetime, I'm sure. I mean, these words, Paul suffered for Christ. Listen, he says, I've worked much harder. I've been jailed more often. I've been beaten up more times than I can count. And at death's door, time after time, I've been flogged five times and the Jews, um, and the Jews 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once, I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day in hard travelling year in and out. I've had, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labour, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not the half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and the anxieties of all the churches, when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, an angry life burns, an angry fire burns in my gut. If I have to brag about myself, I'll brag about the humiliations that make me like Jesus. You see, giving God glory. I'll brag about these humiliations that make me like Jesus. The eternal and blessed God and Father of our Master Jesus knows that I am not lying. Remember the time I was in Damascus and the governor of King Eurytus posted guards at the city gates to arrest me and I crawled through a window in the wall and was let down in a basket and I had to run for my life. Paul is one of the heroes of our faith, church. Can you see it's not all high fives and spine tingles to walk a life of faith? God was glorified in Paul's life, but he suffered and he understood it too well. And you could suffer too and understand that when you face it, nothing will help us more than an awareness of the providence of God and understanding that God orders all things and controls all things, even when the worst should happen to us, and he is present in all things for our good and for his glory. You know what the providence of God is actually all about, church? You may have heard that word, that theological term. God's providence is his caring provision for his people as, they, as he guides them on their journey of faith through life, accomplishing his purpose through their life. God's mission isn't to give us this perfect, pain-free life. God's mission is to be glorified, and it's to make us more like Jesus. God accepts us just the way we are, but he doesn't leave us that way. He wants to make us more like his son, and he allows us to go through suffering so that we could become more like Jesus. Remember Paul's words right now, and Paul said after going all these things that I've just shared, he said these words in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his, what? Sufferings. 
He wants us to relate. Paul wants to relate and he wants us to relate to Jesus' sufferings. Simon talked about in communion what Jesus went through, that, we, that he suffered for us. We have a saviour who suffered and we fellowship with the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, all the great gifts that come with the, the spirit and the, and the joy of life, but we fellowship with the sufferings of Christ as well. That's part of being a Christian. It's an honour when we suffer. When you leave today, I want you to think about that. It's an honour because Jesus suffered and we're being like Christ as we walk through our sufferings. That's, a, that's an attitude check, isn't it? That's a mindset shift. Why? Because we're becoming like Jesus. One who suffered more than any of us has ever suffered. He took the sins of the world upon his shoulders and he was crucified and tortured in a way that no person... He was, he was tortured to the point of being unrecognisable. That's what our Saviour did for us. That's the kind of suffering he went through before he was crucified and then he got crucified on top of that. The worst death that you could have, Jesus did that for us. He suffered. That's our Saviour. And God wants us to be like Jesus. I pray that we will not suffer like that because he already suffered that way. I pray that I never suffer to that level. But James has this extraordinary attitude. I've shown you Peter, I've shown you Paul, I've shown you Jesus. James, a brother of Jesus, he said, Consider it pure joy, brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And I want to finish this today. I think he starts with this quick hello and his greetings. This is the very start of the book of James, the very first thing he said. I think 99% of us are... Not really very good at doing this bit. We struggle to try and get this next bit, and I don't get it right. I'm not sure about you, but remember how I started this talk today with the words of Paul, rejoice in the sufferings. Here it is again, this time it's James. He's saying, consider it joy when you face trials. Right off the bat, he's challenging how we face our suffering in our life. What's going on in your heart? You see, God absolutely allows us to go through trials in our life, the testing of your faith, because, because he is doing a work in us behind the scenes. And I wonder how much pain and misery and gloom and suffering I've put on my children over the years as a father to my kids. How much have I allowed them to go through over the years? I've inflicted pain on my kids. I remember when my kids were young, they'd come and say, Dad, do I have to go to school today? We don't want to go to school, Dad. I say, yes. Well, why can't I just stay home today? It's like, no. I'm going to allow you to go through the suffering of going to school. You see, you need to go to school every day. Why? Because you're getting ready for tests. You're getting ready for the tests of life. Why? Because testing times will develop you. You can't skip the tests. They're going to develop you. Why do I allow them to go through that suffering? Well, it's because I hope one day they'll grow up, get a good job and pay the bills themselves, right? <laughs> Amen. That's the hope. I want them to grow up and mature. Now, 
You can't go to school without tests and we can't live life without tests because tests reveal something. They reveal if you need to redo the subject again or if you're going to grow enough, grow through it and move on to the next part of the, the journey. And trials and sufferings of many kinds will do that to us too. How you go with that testing time will either prove if you're ready to move on or it will guide you into that maybe going through more of that suffering, continuing in that test. He's more interested in your character, church, than he is in our comfort. Did you hear that? God's more interested in growing you to be more like Jesus than he is in your comfort. Mm. God allows us to go through testing times to develop us. We're back where we started today. Something very important is happening in your trials and in your tests and in your sufferings. And I'm not saying it's easy, because it's absolutely horrible. But I approach it with this attitude, because I know God is doing something in me as I go through it. That's why it says, James 1, 2 to 3, it just finishes and says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It develops perseverance. Think about that. All tests and trials are trying to develop godly character within you to be just like Jesus, to be able to persevere, to be able to go to the cross, to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. There's character to be learned as you go through the issues of life. And we get distracted by trying to get out of the struggles instead of recognising what God's having us walk through or allowing us to walk through. We need to stop praying, God, get me out of this and start praying, God, what is it you're actually trying to do in me? What are you doing here? Let me put you at the centre. And if you could rescue me out of this, that's great. But Lord, I will walk through this with you. You will be with me in the suffering. That's why he's saying consider it pure joy. There's no joy in the suffering. There's joy in the fact Jesus is with you in the suffering. We have God with us at the centre while I walk through the suffering. There's joy in being in God's presence. There's joy in knowing him in the midst of it. Isn't that good? Is that good or is that great? Yes, it is. And why is that? Because God is good and God loves us and he loves you. He's not a heavenly Santa Claus. He doesn't always give us everything we think we want and need, but he does give us what we, he knows we need. He does allow us to have what we need. James 1.4 says, Perseverance must finish its work. Hear that? Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be what? Say it with me. Mature and complete and not lacking anything. That's where we're headed. That's our message. And that's what we've been praying for, right? To be mature in Christ. It's a good prayer, right? Well, maybe God's answering our prayers through suffering as well. He said, Lord, I want to be mature. I want to be complete in you, Lord. I want everything you have for me, God says. Really? All righty then. Here we go. And really, honestly... Some of the trials, some of the tests, some of the suffering that you have or have faced, maybe God allowed you to go through to answer that prayer. It's possible. We say, oh God, I just want everything to be complete. God says, okay, that's the path we're going on. 
I invite the worship team to come up. Now we're going to sing a great hymn. It is well with my soul. No matter what we go through, it is well with my soul. That's the attitude we can approach our sufferings. Some of you are going through suffering today. Some of you are in the midst of it. I hope this has encouraged you. The Bible says in James 1.12, he says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. We read it again. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Let's stand together. Now, I'm not going to let this go past without opening the altar up. Some of you are dealing with things and you just say, I just want to come to that altar. I just want to pray. I want to hand it over to God. I want to get the right perspective on it. Maybe it's on behalf of someone you know suffering. I'll be on this altar with you. I'd love to pray with you. I know Charlotte, we talked before, Charlotte would love to pray with you. I'm sure Simon would love to pray with you. We're here to hand it over to God. If you're in the middle of it right now, if you see it coming like a deer with headlights coming at you, maybe it's you've walked through it and you're still hurting from it. What is your pain? What is your suffering? As we sing this song, just come down the front here and let's just spend a bit of time pray together. Let's just minister to each other. And if no one is suffering, great. But just be aware it's going to happen eventually. And so we want to pray. As we sing, Lord, as we sing, just move in our hearts. Help us think about this. Help us reflect on it. Lord, help us bring our sufferings. Lay them at the foot of the cross and you can use them, Lord. We give you permission to develop us, grow us and make us mature and complete. That would be amazing. But Lord, sometimes we just need that encouragement. We just need that strength. We just need to be able to pray together. And I pray as those who are in the middle of it or maybe praying on behalf of a friend like I have been. Lord, as we just open it up, let us open our hearts now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.